Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the afterlife, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Abdullah ibn Imam Ahmad, Abdullah, the son of Imam Ahmad, he said that he was there when, he was fa- when his father was passing away. And his father was going into this sakra, this state of unconsciousness, and by the way, when you are going from dunya to akhirah, it's a very difficult change. You've been in this world for 60 or 70 years, and now you are going through a completely different world. So that change between these two stages is difficult. And sometimes it doesn't happen immediately. So you'll find the person is going back and forth in this stage of sakra. To simplify the explanation of this, think about sleep, because sleep is the minor death. Al-wafat al-sughra. Sleep. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and He is the one who takes your souls when you are sleeping. Sleep is a minor death. When you are awake, and you're going to the different stage of sleep, you go through a interface between these two. So you are not asleep, and you're not awake. And then you enter into the stage of sleep. So you're going from awakening to sleeping, and you're going through this interface between the two. The same thing happens before death. You are going through this interface between the two stages of life and death. So there is moments in which you are on the other side of the world, and moments in in which you are in this side of the world. Abdullah ibn Imam Ahmad says that his father went into the stage of unconsciousness, and then his father started saying, لا بعد, لا بعد. No, not yet. No, not yet. Abdullah was worried. Imagine you hear your father saying, No, not yet. No, not yet. What would you interpret it to mean? What would you think it means? I don't want to die yet. Right? No, not yet. No, not yet. You would interpret it as meaning, I do not want to die yet. So Abdullah was very concerned. So he asked his father, Oh my father, when his father woke up, Oh my father, why were you saying not yet, not yet? Al-Imam Ahmad said, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ قَائِمٌ بِحِذَاءِ عَاضٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَامِلِهِ يَقُولْ يَا أَحْمَدْ فِتَّنِي يَا أَحْمَدْ فِتَّنِي فَكُنْتُ أَقُولُ لَهُ لَا بَعْدْ لَا بَعْدْ حَتَّى أَمُوتِ Al-Imam Ahmad said, Shaytan was standing right next to me, biting on his fingers and saying, Oh Ahmed, you have slipped out of my hands. Oh Ahmed, you have slipped out of my hands. So I was telling him, no, not yet, not yet, until I die. The battle between me and you is still happening. Not until I die will I be saved from you. Shaytan was biting his fingers. Upset because he lost Imam Ahmed. Because Imam Ahmed is slipping from his hands. So shaitan was so angry and upset, he was biting his fingers and saying, Ahmed, you have slipped away from my hands. Imam Ahmed said, not yet, until I die. Look at the, the believer, how he, he keeps on fighting until the last moment. Would never give up. If we are proud, we would say, yes, I won against you. But Imam Ahmed is saying, no, until I die. So this could happen. And if it could happen, it's something extremely dangerous. 
Imam ibn Taymiyyah, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he says, the reason why this happens is because shaitan realizes that this is his last chance with you. If he misses it, you're gone. If he misses you in the last moment, he missed you. That is why shaitan emphasizes and gives special attention to the last moments of your life. So, put a criteria to yourself and think about it. If you are losing to shaitan now, when the battle is easy, what would happen to you in the last moments when it gets tough? If you are already losing the battle now, when shaitan is giving you half of his attention, what will happen when he gives you his complete attention, when he devotes his efforts for you? These are the fitan, and that's why we say in our salah, Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min fitnatil mahya wal mamat. We seek refuge in you from the fitna of life and death. This is the fitna of death. Let's talk about Asbab Su al Khatima, the reasons for evil ending. Because the most important stage of your life is Al Khawatim, the ending. Man mata ala whoever dies on something will be resurrected on it. If you died in Hajj with Ihram making Talbiyah, Rasulullah says on the day of judgment you will be resurrected saying Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik. And if you die as a shaheed in the battle, Rasulullah says on the day of judgment you would come out of your grave with your injury bleeding, just like it was bleeding when you died in the battlefield. Man mata ala When you die on something, you will be resurrected on that same thing that you were doing. That's why the most important stage of our life is al-khawatim. And that's why Rasulullah used to always say in the hadith, Allahumma ja'al khayra a'amali khawatimah. Oh Allah, make the best of my deeds the last deeds. And Rasulullah says in a hadith, يَعْمَلَ أَحَدُكُمْ بِعَمَلِ الْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى لَا يَكُمْ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْجَنَّةِ ذِرَاءٍ فَيَسْبِقْ عَلَيْهِ الْكِتَابِ فَيَعْمَلَ بِعَمَلِ أَهْلِ النَّارِ فَيَدْخُلِ النَّارِ One of you, you would do the deeds of the people of paradise until only one foot is between you and paradise and then in the end you would do the deeds of the people of hellfire and you would die and you would enter into hellfire. All of your life you were doing the actions of the people of Jannah. And in the end you messed up and then you end up in hellfire. And the opposite could happen too. You could be doing the deeds of the people of hellfire. In the last moment of your life you do something good, you die, you go to Jannah. So the most important stage is the last stage. What are the reasons for evil ending? Nas'alullah Azza wa Jal khitam We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the good blessed ending. Reasons of Evil ending. Number one, al-fasad fil Corruption and defect in the belief. Corruption and defect in the belief. Let me give you an example, an analogy. Let's assume you bought a computer. And you started working on that computer for the first month, it's working fine. The second month, it's working fine. And then you put it through a rigorous application. And the computer failed and broke down. You take it and you see what's the problem. You find that there was a defect from day one. But this defect did not show from day one because you were treating it gently. You were using the computer for easy and simple applications. But when you, when you put it through the regular, rigorous test, a serious application, a serious program, it broke down. Why? Because there was a hidden defect. This defect didn't show up on day one. It didn't show up on day two. It worked fine for two months, but when things became tough, it broke down. Because there was a hidden defect. You didn't see it. You thought that the computer is brand new and nothing is wrong with it. But there was something hidden. So you could be living now, 
thinking that your iman is perfect and your aqidah is fine. You have a bid'ah or an innovation or, or, or doubts. You have doubts in Quran, doubts about the anbiya, doubts about the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have some doubts hidden somewhere in the corner in the heart. And then death approaches. And shaitan puts you through the test. Things become difficult on you in those last moments. And that fallacy, that problem, that defect, shows up. You find out that there was a corruption in your belief. When you find out there's a corruption in your belief, you what do you do? You give up your whole belief. Because you discover there's something wrong with it. You think there's something wrong with Islam and you would give up the whole thing. And you would lose it all. Just like the computer, a problem happened with it. Nowadays you throw the computer, you don't go and fix it. So you can throw the whole thing. And you lose the whole battle. And that's why Ibn al-Qayyim says, Allah subhanahu we, we don't expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would mislead anyone who was on the straight path, except if that person had a, a hidden defect. He said, we believe that out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will not mislead anyone if that person was true righteousness. There must be something wrong. And that defect showed up in one moment of time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ هَلْ نُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالًا الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ صُنْعًا Allah says, Say, shall we tell you the greatest losers in respect to their deeds? They are those whom efforts have been wasted in this life while they thought they were acquiring good by their deeds. Allah is telling us about the biggest losers. They are the ones who are thinking they're doing well, but they're doing wrong. You find that somebody is very righteous, very righteous, but he is doing it the wrong way. He's not following the way of Rasulullah It's all unaccepted. Second reason for Su'a al-Khatimah. Al-Udul an al-Istiqamah. Diversion from the straight path. A person could be on the straight path and then he decides to divert. When he takes that short cut or I mean short turn, what happens is it's like a fork. It starts out with a small angle but then it gets further and further and further away. The turn in the beginning seems very small. The angle is very small. But the further you go, the more further apart you become. Iblis, Rajim, he was one of the righteous. But he did that small mistake. He did that small mistake out of a great problem which is kibr, arrogance. And he became the worst of the creation. Bal'am. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاتْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَأَ الَّذِي آتَيْنَاهُ آيَاتِنَا فَانْسَلَخَ مِنْهَا فَانْسَلَخَ مِنْهَا فَأَتْبَعَهُ الشَّيْطَانُ فَكَانَ مِنَ الْغَاوِينَ وَلَوْ شِئْنَا لَرَفَعْنَاهُ بِهَا وَلَكِنَّهُ أَخْلَدَ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ فَمَثَلُهُ كَمَثَلِ الْكَلْبِ إِنْ تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْهِ يَلْهَثْ أَوْ تَتْرُكْهُ يَلْهَثْ 
Allah says, and recite to them the story of him to whom we gave our ayat, but he threw them away. So shaitan followed him up, and he became of those who went astray. And had we willed, we, should, we would surely have elevated him therewith, but he clung to the earth and followed his own vain desires. This ayah is talking about someone who received the ayat of Allah. Received the ayat of Allah. And then he detached himself from the ayat of Allah. And followed his own desires. So shaitan followed up. And he was misled and misguided. Why? Akhlada ila al-ard. Because he was clung and attached to this world. Look at what this world could do. This is a person who had the knowledge and had the ayat of Allah. He lost it all and, when, and was misguided. Why? Because of his attachment to dunya. And why? Because he followed his own desires. Do not follow desires and do not follow this world. Because that is contrary to the meaning of the word Islam. Let's go back to the basics. Islam. What does it mean? Submission to Allah. You submit to Allah even if it's against your own will. Even if it's against your own desires. You give up what you want for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to follow the religion according to our understanding. And according to our convenience and to our spare time. No. We do not custom make Islam to serve us. We change ourselves to fit in Islam. We do not make Islam change. We change our own characters to fit Islam. Because this is the meaning of the word Islam. It is complete submission. Submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This man, he had the knowledge and he had the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It didn't do him any good. Because he followed his own desires and he was misled. قال صلى الله عليه وسلم إن مما أتخوف عليكم رجل قرأ القرآن حتى إذا رؤيت بهجته على وجهه وعليه رداء الإسلام اعتراه إلى ما شاء الله انسلخ منه ونبذه وراء ظهره وسعى على جاره بالسيف ورماه بالشرك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says the thing that I fear most on you is a man who memorizes Quran who memorizes Quran until the light of Qur'an shows up on his face. And then, he detaches himself from the ayat of Allah. And he carries the sword on his neighbor, and he accuses him of shirk. He accuses him that he's a mushrik, an unbeliever. Hudayfa bin Yaman said, Ya Rasulullah, ayyuhuma awla bishirk, al-marmi aw al-rami, faqala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bal al-rami. Hudayfa ibn Yaman asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Who is the mushrik among them? The accuser or the accused? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said the accuser. Ibn Kathir says that this is Isnad Jayid. This is a man who has Quran in his heart and Quran is showing from his face, the light of Quran. But then he detached himself from Quran. He fell into the fitna, a fitna, and he carried the sword on his neighbor, a fitna. And he accused his neighbor of shirk. So Rasulullah says that this man, he has become a mushrik. Quran is still in his heart. He became a mushrik. Another story, and we'll close with this. Barsisa. The story of Barsisa, this is a man from the children of Israel who was a worshipper. Famous worshipper, Abid. He had his temple and he devoted himself to worship in his monastery. 
three men from the children of Israel wanted to go out for jihad. Al-Ghazl. They had a sister. They didn't know where to leave their sister. So they said, where should we leave her? We can't leave her alone. Where should we leave her? They asked around. They said the best place to leave her is with that abid, that worshiper. He's the most righteous person. He's the most trustworthy. Leave your sister with him and he'll take care of her. They went to the abid, the worshiper, Barsisa. They told him this is the situation. We want to go out for Ghazu. Can you please take care of our sister? He said, A'udhu Billah Minkum. I seek refuge in Allah from you. Stay away from me. Then Shaitan came to him and said, Who are you going to leave her with? If you don't take care of her, an evil person may take care of her and then you would, you know what will happen. How come you're going to leave this good slip out of your hands? Shaitan is encouraging him to do good. So he called them back and he said, okay, I'll take care of her. She's not going to stay with me in my monastery. She's going to stay in that home over there. He had a house. He said, you stay there. I stay in my temple. So she would stay in that house, in the room. And he would carry the food for her. And he would leave the food on his doorstep. He doesn't even want to go to her house. He would leave it on the doorstep and she would have to come and pick up the food. He doesn't even want to see her. And then Shaitan came to him and said, What are you doing? Don't you know that when she walks out from her room and comes to your temple, people can see her? You have to deliver the food to her doorstep. He said, yes, that's true. And Shaitan is not speaking to him face to face. This is Waswasa. Inspirations. He said, that's true. He started taking that food and he would drop it on her doorstep. That continued for a while. And then Shaitan told him, she's still opening the door and coming out to take the plate. Somebody can still see her. You have to deliver the plate into her own room. Shaitan is telling him to do good things. So he started taking the plate and he would put it in the room and then he would leave. And that continued for a while and these three brothers were late. This ghazwa took a while. So shaitan came to him and said, you're going to leave her alone with nobody to take care of her, nobody to speak with. She's been in there like she's in prison, speaking to no one. So why don't you take that responsibility and go and speak with her, just socialize a little bit to take care of her. Because she could go out and find another man and start having a relation with him. So he would speak from outside her room, and she would be speaking from in her room, and they would be screaming at each other to hear each other. Shaitan told them, why don't you make it a little bit convenient for yourself, instead of screaming and hollering at each other from far distances, why don't you go and sit in the same room? So he started sitting with her in the same room, spending some time with her. And then slowly and slowly they started spending hours together and they started getting closer and closer and closer until the great Abid committed zina. She became pregnant. The story didn't end yet. She became pregnant. She delivered a child. Shaitan came to him and said, what have you done? Do you know what will happen when the brothers come back? They're going to kill you. Even if you say, this is not my son. They're going to say, even if it's not your son, you're supposed to take care of her. It's your responsibility. We don't care who the father is. We left her as, you are the person responsible for her. The only solution for this problem is that you kill, murder the child and bury him. 
secret after he killed her son? Do you think she will keep that secret? You're a fool if you think so. What should, what should I do? You should kill her too. So he killed her. And he buried them both in that room. The brothers came back. They came and said, where is our sister? He said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ She was ill, she became ill, and she died, and she is buried in that place. And he went and showed them a fictitious grave. So they said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ They made dua for her, and they went home. At night time, one of the brothers saw a dream. Who came to him in that dream? Shaitan. He told him, did you believe Barsisa? Did you believe him? He's lying. He committed zina with your sister. And then he killed her and her son. And the evidence to prove that is that she's not buried in the place he showed you. But she's buried in her room under the rock. So he woke up and he told his brothers about the dream. They said, we saw the same dream. It must be true. They went the next day. They dug the fictitious grave. They found nothing. They went into her room. They uncovered the earth. And they found their sister buried with an infant. They grabbed Barsisa and they told him, You liar. This is what you have done. And they took him to the king. While they were dragging him to the king, Shaitan came to Barsisa. But now Shaitan didn't come in the form of inspiration. He came in a human form. He told him, Barsisa, do you know who I am? I am Shaitan. I am the one who caused you all of that mess. And I am the only one who can deliver you out of it. I am the one who caused it. And I am the one who has the solution for it. It's up to you. If you want to go and die, that's fine. If you want me to save you, I can. Barsisa said, please save me. He said, make sujood for me. Barsisa made sujood for shaitan. What did shaitan say? He said, thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you. And he never saw him again. Barsisa made sujood for shaitan. And that was the last thing he did in his life because shortly afterwards he was executed. The last thing he did in his life was sujood for shaitan. Abid, on the righteous path, but because he chose to take a turn, even though it was a very, very, very small turn, in the beginning it was very insignificant, in the name of Maslaha, in the name of the benefit. In the name of Maslaha, he did it. And it was a very small diversion that he took. But look at where it ended, look at the final destination. That is the danger of following desire. Because sometimes we feel confident because of our knowledge and because of the Qur'an we know and because of the ibadah that we're doing. SubhanAllah, we should always be afraid on ourselves. We should never be overconfident. We should always be worried and that is the khashya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the true knowledge. إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ The ones who have the khashya of Allah, the fear of Allah are the scholars. If you are a scholar, then you will have khashya of Allah. Otherwise, it is just memorization of verses in the mind that has no meaning in the actual world. A side note on this story. What policy was shaitan using with Barsisa? 
If, Bars- if shaitan came to Barsisa from the beginning and told him make sujood to me, would, he, would Barsisa have done that? No, he wouldn't. He took the step-by-step policy. Ibn al-Jawzi says that there was a man named Abduh ibn Abdul Rahim. This was in year 280 or 270 Hijri. Abduh ibn Abdul Rahim. He was a mujahid with the Muslim armies that were fighting in the Roman Empire. And he fought in jihad for a long time. And on one of their battles, actually, they were surrounding a Roman fortress. They were surrounding them. And while they were surrounding them, this man saw a woman. فَفْتُتِنَ بِهَا He was, it was a fitna for him. So he started corresponding with this woman. This woman is a Roman woman in that city. The Muslims are surrounding them. What he did is he started corresponding with her. And he asked her, how can I get in? So she told him, become a Christian and I'll let you in. So he became a Christian and the next day suddenly the Muslims saw this man, this mujahid who was with them, he's inside with the Romans. This thing depressed them a lot. Because this man has fought in jihad for a very long time and he knew a lot of Qur'an and he had a lot of knowledge and suddenly now he, re- he, he gave up his religion and he became a Christian to run after that woman. Then years passed and some Muslims who knew that man they passed next to that Roman village or fort again. So they saw him and they told him, come with us. He said, no, I cannot come with you. That's it, I'm settled here. I'm married and I have children and I have business. I'm already settled here. He gave up his religion. He was a Christian now, hanging the cross. So they told him, where did your jihad go? What happened to your jihad? What happened to your knowledge? What happened to your Quran? He said, oh, I forgot all of that. I forgot all of Quran except one verse. رُبَمَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ كَانُوا مُسْلِمِينَ دَرْهُمْ يَأْكُلُوا وَيَتَمَتَّعُوا وَيُلْهِهِمُ الْأَمَلِ فَسَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ He said, I have forgot all of Quran except one verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says one day the non-believers will desire that they were believers So let them eat and enjoy themselves and let them follow the false hopes and desires but soon they will know. He forgot all of Quran except this. He remembers a verse that is telling him that one day the non-believers will desire and wish that they were Muslim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Let them eat and let them enjoy themselves one day they will know. وَيُلْهِهِمُ الْأَمَلِ let the false desires fool them. But one day they will realize the truth. When you 
diverge, when you diverge from the straight path, this is what happens. This man, he was a mujahid and he knew Quran and he memorized, and he memorized a lot of ayat and he had a lot of knowledge, but he didn't stick to the straight path. Fastaqim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Fastaqim. After you receive the guidance, follow the straight path. And one of the companions came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and told him, give me an advice. Oh Rasulullah, give me the best advice. Give me an advice that I would not have to ask anybody else for another advice. I want you to give me one advice that will be sufficient for me. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Say, I believe in Allah, and then stay, stay on the straight path. Because we can say we believe, we can say that we're Muslims, but the important thing is to stay on the straight path. That's where the test is. And that's where a lot of people fail. They follow the truth for a while, but then the winds of change in this world take them from right to left. And this is the ending that happened to him. Why? He missed the sabbat, al-sabbat al-haq, staying on the straight path. You slip, and you don't know how deep that cliff is. That is the khashya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, you know the truth, and you are so worried that you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 17 times in salah, إِيَّاكَ nasta'in Oh Allah, we seek assistance from you, and we worship nobody from except you, so guide us to the straight path. We keep on asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the faridah 17 times to keep us on the straight path. And then in the nawafil, we read al-fatiha. Why are we repeating this ayah again and again? Ahdina sirat al-mustaqeem. Because it's, it's, it's very important to stay on the straight path. The third reason of evil ending, evil conclusion of one's life, su al-khatima, is al-israru ala al-ma'asi. Insistence on sinning. A person might be committing a small sin. But the ulama say that insisting on a small sin makes it a major sin. When you keep on doing it again and again, it becomes a major sin. And Al-Zahabi, in his book, Al-Kaba'ir, he talks about some of the evil endings. He said there was a man who used to be obsessed with chess. When he was dying, they told him, say, La ilaha illallah. He couldn't say it. And then just before he died, he kept on repeating, checkmate, 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 until he died. Because he was thinking about chess. al Zahabi mentions another man, they came and told him, say, La ilaha illallah. He said, give me the bottle, give me a cup I want to drink. Come, alcohol. Because he was addicted to alcohol, that is the thought that came on his mind in the last moment. Al-Rabi' bin Saburah, he says that he witnessed the death of a man who used to work in a diwan, an accountant, who used to work in a diwan. He's always calculating numbers. And before he died, they were telling him, say, la ilaha illallah. He was saying 10, 11, 12, and he was counting numbers until he died. Ibn al-Qayyim mentions the story of someone who was dying. They told him, say, la ilaha illallah. He said, I can't. He didn't have a problem with his tongue. He could speak fluently, but he could not say, la ilaha illallah. Allah did not give him the tawfiq. Allah did not allow him to say it. Because he did not have a life record of la ilaha illallah. 
Think about it this way. Think about Sakrat al-Mawtin this way. When you go to bed, what are the things you dream about? Most likely, there are going to be things you are thinking about consistently during the day. When you keep on thinking about something, there's a big chance that you could see that thing or dream about it at night. Also, another way to know what's on your mind is when you wake up in the morning, as soon as you wake up, what is the first thought that pops up in your mind? Because death is similar to sleep. Al-Wafat al-Sughra. Sleeping is called Al-Wafat al-Sughra, the minor death. So when you're going from sleep to the state of awakening, it is similar to that stage of Sakarat al-Mawt. So that's why the thoughts that are one's, on, on one's mind are most likely going to show up in the last moments of one's life. We always think about it that I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to sin the way I like. And then before I die, five minutes before I die, I'm going to say, La ilaha illallah, and I'm guaranteed Jannah. It's not that easy. You are making a plan. You are plotting against Allah. This is a plot against Allah. When you say this, you are plotting against Allah. Why? Because you're telling Allah, I'm not going to worship you. You are making the intention that you're not going to worship Allah until the last moment of your life. What is that? Isn't that planning against Allah? I'm going to do what I want now when I'm young and then I'm going to think about Tawbah when I grow old. This is... You are planning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is telling you, worship me every day and night in your life. You say, no. I'm going to try to go around this rule and sneak around it and then make Tawbah in the end. I'm going to outsmart Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are planning, they are plotting and Allah is planning and Allah is the best of planners. There's one uh, scholar just a few weeks ago, he mentioned to us a, a factual story that happened. They were visiting an old man who was dying. They came in the house and when they came in, the household, the, all of the household, they were listening to loud Um Kalthum music. Um Kalthum is an Arabic singer. The man was in the last moments of his life and the tape recorder was to the highest volume listening to the songs of Um Kalthum. This shaykh came in and told them, Ittaqullah, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the man is dying and you're listening to songs. So they took out that tape and they put Quran instead. When the old man started hearing Quran, he said, turn it off and put Um Kalthum back because he soothes my heart. And he died. Man When you grow up on something, you're gonna die on that thing. If you grow up doing something, most likely you go, you, the conclusion of your life will be on that thing you were doing. Never think that you can outsmart Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to have khashya of Allah. The ones who are, are, are safe, feel safe and secure of the punishment of Allah are the losers. Only the losers are the ones who feel secure from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Khashya is an integral quality of the Muslim. To be a mu'min and a believer, you have to have khashya, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart. The fourth reason of evil endings is da'ful iman. Weak faith. Weak iman. Sulaiman ibn Abdul Malak al-Khalifa al-Amawi the Khalifa of the Muslim world. He visited Mecca and Medina. 
So he was asking, is there anyone here who has met the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? They said, yes, Abu Hazm. He said, call him. So they brought Abu Hazm. Sulaiman ibn Abdul Malik asked him a question. He said, how come we dislike death? How come we don't want to die? He said, لأنكم عمرتم الدنيا وخربتم الآخرة فتكرهون الخروج من العمران الخراب. He said, because you have built and established this world and you have destroyed your akhirah, so you hate to go from what is established to what is destroyed. You have built for yourself a good life in this world. You have established for yourself a good, pleasurable, pleasant life in this world. And you have destroyed your hereafter. You didn't do anything for it. You left it destroyed. You didn't build anything. So you don't want to go from what you have established to what you have destroyed. Natural consequence. If you're not preparing for akhirah, why would you want to go there? This is due to da'af al-iman. And what is the cause of da'af al-iman? It is the love of this world. The love of dunya. When we love this world, we do not want to go to akhirah. And the love of this world could cause a very, very destructive and dangerous thing in the end of your life. The scholars have said, if somebody has the love of this, this world in his heart, then just before that person's death, when the person starts realizing that he's going to leave the lovable dunya and go to akhirah, the person would become attached to the thing he loves. He would become attached to dunya. And then that person could start hating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah is the one who wants to take him away from dunya. The Nama say that can happen to the person in the end of his life. And they say if that happens, this is khulud fin nar. This is a, 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 an a eternal punishment in hellfire. Because you are hating to meet Allah. You dislike meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah will dislike meeting you. But with Mu'adh ibn Jabal, when he was passing away, he said, welcome to death. I've been waiting for you for a long time. I've been waiting for the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to me. Welcome to death. He's happy. And then he said, oh death, don't think that I ever wanted to live in this dunya because of the love of this world. The reason why I wanted to live in this world is to fast in the hot summer days and to, to pray at night in the long cold winter nights. So as long as now it's time for me to leave, I welcome you. Take my soul. He wants to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah would want to meet him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says in the hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari, إِنَّهُ لَمْ يُقْبَضْ نَبِيٌّ قَطْ حَتَّى يَرَى مِقْعَدَهُ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ ثُمَّ يُخَيَّرُ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says in the hadith narrated by Bukhari, every prophet before he dies is shown his place in paradise and then he's given the choice to stay in this world or to die. So the NBA are given the choice. This hadith is narrated by Aisha. She says, Rasulullah has said that every prophet before he passes away, he's shown his place in paradise and then he's given the choice to die or to live. 
And when Rasulullah was dying, he had his head on my lap. And then he fell unconscious. And then he woke up. And he started staring at the sky. And then he said, Allahumma rafiq al-a'la. Oh Allah, the highest companion. Oh Allah, the highest companion. Meaning, I want to be with the highest companion, which is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Aisha said, I knew that Rasulullah at that moment was being given the choice and that he was not choosing us. Rasulullah was saying, Allahumma rafiq al-a'la. Oh Allah, the highest companion. Because Rasulullah was given the offer by the angel of death. He was asking him, do you want to stay or do you want to leave? Rasulullah was saying, I want to be with Allah. Aisha said, I knew that he's not choosing us. And that was the last word Rasulullah said. Sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www.albashir.com. That's www.al.com. Dash B-A-S-H-E-E-R dot com. You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. Please proceed to the next CD.